This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Prime Spark, the podcast that brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate, and empower women over 55. The second women's revolution is here, and it is time for us to fuel a spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path, and reflect your gifts in the world. Now, here is your host for Prime Spark, Sarah Hart. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close, with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Elizabeth White, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Elizabeth White, author of 55, Underemployed and Faking Normal, Simon & Schuster, is an age solution advocate for older adults facing uncertain work and financial insecurity. When she could not find a book that met her needs during her own bout of long-term unemployment, she wrote it herself. She wrote it as a 62-year-old woman who had lived the stories she describes. And as a Harvard MBA, former retail entrepreneur and C-suite executive who never expected to land here. Ms. White is a frequent guest blogger and speaker at conferences and workshops. She has been named one of the top 50 influencers on aging in the country. Her essays and work have appeared in publications like Barron's, Forbes, The Huffington Post, Market Watch, Next Avenue, and The Washington Post. And her TEDx talk has been elevated to the main TED stage, where it has garnered over 2 million views. She has been prominently featured in three segments on the PBS NewsHour. Ms. White has been featured on the TED Radio Hour. She is a board member of the International Federation on Aging and was recently invited to testify before the Senate Special Committee on Aging. In March 2022, Ms. White joined the Ideas 42 Venture Studio as an entrepreneur. Welcome, Elizabeth. I'm so happy you're here today. I am delighted to be here with you, Sarah. So in getting started, let me just ask you, do you experience getting older? And if so, what is that experience? And if not, why do you think it is that you don't? I definitely experience getting older and I feel it in my body. 
I feel my mother used to say, like when she got up in the morning, that her first few steps, she said, I feel like I'm drunk. She was sort of not steady on her feet. I would hear her say those words, but not know what she meant. Now I know what she means. I uh, let my hair go gray, uh, sort of during the pandemic and before. And I notice a It feels subtle to me. I do not feel invisible. I wouldn't say I feel invisible, but I do feel more mams, more um, sometimes things that uh, you might experience as a little patronizing, you know, someone sort of changing a tone or pace of speaking. You know, there is definitely that. Uh, I have a friend who never tells her age. She is dear to me. I adore her. I do not know how old she is. I know we're pretty much in the same age cohort, but that's how strongly she feels that when you are an older woman, I'm 68, and you say that age, that it closes doors and it um, changes impressions of you and opinions. Um I've been leaning into my age. I say my age openly. I am showing my gray hair. I wear little army boots because I like little army boots. Um, I feel like we have an opportunity to make our path by walking as older women. There is no script. We are not our mothers. We're not our grandmothers. We're making our path by walking. And and making models for younger women coming behind us. Right. You know, it's really interesting, Elizabeth. I um, have talked to so many uh, women now um, in 50, 55 and older. And almost across the board, they say, well, I feel I'm getting older in my body. I mean, I can't do quite the same things. I have some aches and pains. I feel a little unstable in the morning. But other than that, I don't feel any different. I feel more me, more who I was meant to be, more willing to just step up and say, no, I don't think that's what I agree with. So I find that fascinating. I mean, our bodies in many ways are just a vessel. And then there's us in there. So I totally get that the, the essential part of us, the essence of us, is just in this vessel that we're sort of moving around in. It has made me put health at the top of my list, what I eat, whether I'm getting exercise, because this vessel, that's all we have to kind of transport us around. And so honoring it and taking care of it. Um, I have a friend, she's a little older, I think about 73. And she says, taking care of her health is her number one priority. Because everything else can fall apart if that's not in place. 
I agree 100%. And I wish we understood that better when we're 20, 30, and 40. <laughs> because, no, yeah. you know, I mean, it's um, from your bio, Elizabeth, we can tell you have had quite a journey um, when I read your bio. Would you tell us about it, please? Yes. And I want to just address that last point you made about you wish we knew younger. Something that I heard recently that was shocking to me was that uh, genetics determines only about 15% of our you know, health outcome. The rest of it is all diet, exercise, environment, et cetera. So that means if you are a young person, if you are in your 30s and it's rough and you're not taking care of yourself, you are heading towards 60s that could also be rough and you'll see the impact of what you did as a younger person. So when you said made that point about, I wish we knew when we were younger, there's science behind that. So let me tell you uh, my story. So I am someone who was doing really well until I wasn't. I am the, I say, the oldest adored daughter of Dorothy and George White. And I, you know, went undergraduate to Oberlin and I have a Harvard MBA. I have a master's in international studies from Hopkins. I had worked at the World Bank. I'd been an entrepreneur. Uh, at the time of the Great Recession in 2008-9, I had two very good consultancies that put me, you know, well into the six figures. And what happens during a recession? Companies retrench. And both of the companies that I work for retrenched and who goes first, the consultants. And with six months, my income dropped to zero. Not really worried because I've got all these props and credentials. But what I discovered, I was sort of middle fifties then, was that my phone was not ringing. That I um, was doing all the things I used to do, the, the you know informational interviews, working my network, talking to people, and nothing was clicking. One of the things we know as women is that we talk to other women. So in my friendship circle, I have, there's a good friend of mine who was an Emmy award-winning producer, phone not ringing. People who had had senior positions in government, phone not ringing. And I wrote one at one point in a moment of just despair. I was sitting on my grandson's bed and I wrote in one go an essay that describes, what does it feel like when you land here? when you feel you're pushed out uh, of a life that you've known, you're kind of looking at it through a looking glass, through a window, and you don't know if you're ever gonna get back to it. 
And the essay that I wrote through Next Avenue made its way to the PBS Facebook page. And in a day, a little over a day, 11,000 people responded. And it was all me too. This is me, my husband, my sister, my brother, my friend, so-and-so. I have the background. I can look at the data. Why were so many people responding? And that's when I saw that we were in the middle of a retirement income crisis. The number of people who are facing age discrimination. I didn't know then that half of Americans get pushed out of their jobs in their 50s. That of those who are pushed out, only 10% ever again get a job that's commensurate and pay in status with the one they left. And what I saw was we were not having this conversation. And what happens when you are um, featured and people do comments, they do two or three sentences, but they find your email address. In today's world, they're gonna find your email address. And when they email you, it's a page and a half single space, their whole story of what happened. And then people I became friends with, they'd say, I'm gonna be in Washington, DC, you wanna have a coffee? So I started meeting people for coffee. Some now have become really, really good friends. And what I realized when I looked at what was out there, there was a there were books for policymakers by Brookings and Aspen Institute. There was nothing for you if this had happened to you and you weren't gonna write about it, you were living it. So I said, I'm gonna write that book. So I self-published initially, that book did well, but I couldn't get it in libraries because a lot of libraries don't take self-published books. And my audience needed to be able to get the book for free. So uh, Simon & Schuster did my second edition. I updated the first book. And so that book, 55 Underemployed and Faking Normal, was sort of the, the next phase after I had been out here a few years and had um, started speaking about the economics of aging, the retirement income crisis. That is so sobering because um, I, I don't think it's all gotten better. You know, I, I wish I wish that it had, but I don't think it has. So what did you or have you found to be the hardest parts of being underemployed in addition, of course, to the financial implications? I think that what has changed significantly since um, I was first writing about this is one gig employment, uh, two remote work, uh, three uh, part-time work of many varieties. Uh, when this first happened to me, if you were to go to a prospective employer and say you wanted to work remotely, Oh, no, that was not, no. Um, so this the whole workplace environment has changed significantly back then. 
So then if you were not sort of full-time W-2, you know, in a company with benefits, all of that was considered, um, you know, you were losing. How could someone with your background not be able to land in a job with benefits, et cetera? Um, So now there's a little bit, I think, more room. Uh, I'm not one of those people who romanticizes gig work. I've got too many friends in it to see the up and down and the no benefits and kind of all of that. So I'm not saying that that's necessarily the better option is now configured but there's just sort of more room, more writing about the retirement income crisis, maybe a little less shame if you land here, more people understanding that they're not the only one. I think, yes, I think that it's the the time between, well, look at the things that have happened since 2008, 2009, 10 to now. I mean, I don't... It seems to me that that would have been just crushing for yourself and and who you saw yourself to be and who people saw you in the world. And how how did you deal with that? I mean, is your family your family tied strong enough that it really supported you through it? Or how did you do it? There was shame. There was embarrassment. You know, I have these credentials. Um, I'm not one of those people who, uh, you know, taking pictures of my meals on Instagram, telling all my business that I'm not that person. And so to basically be candid in this way to say that if this happened to me and I have these this kind of background, this can happen to you. Um, I, it was not an easy, I remember, um, so my very first article was in Next Avenue. And um, before it was on the PBS Facebook page, there was a Next Avenue Facebook page. And uh, Richard Eisenberg, who was there at the time, called me and said, are you seeing what's happening on Facebook? Well, I didn't have a Facebook account to see what was happening. And when I saw that on Facebook, you had to actually have your face up there. (laughs) I was horrified. So what I I actually did this, I went and I looked at, uh, because in the Next Avenue article, they had picked an older white woman as the sort of picture to go with the article. I'm not an older white woman. I'm an older black woman. I scoured the internet. I found that exact picture. And that's what I went up on Facebook with. I put her there. And because I didn't want to be known, I didn't want, I didn't want, it was too embarrassing. So it took telling the story over and over. It took 
people saying to me, this is me. It took people saying, thank you for saying what I'm feeling, that I actually saw benefit and a role in saying out loud what was actually happening to a lot of people. I even, I say to people now, even if you're okay, let's say you're okay, have a pension, you know, you're, have some savings, social security. If you think through your friendship circle right now, you know more than one person who they used to be okay and now they're not okay. I'm not talking about people who have struggled their entire lives and are having a rough go of it in old age. I'm talking about people who were fine and now they're not fine. And and this is the, if you make it to 60 in reasonably good health, 50% chance you're going to live into your 90s. That's the good news. The bad news is that longevity bonus, you're doing it with a much smaller nest egg. Sort of the median retirement savings for people 55 to 64, something like $60,000. So when you think $60,000 living into your 90s, the math doesn't work. And this is millions of older Americans. And it's not a conversation that we're really having enough where that conversation is leading to thinking about what the solutions could be. When you follow people, I'm very fond of uh, Teresa Ghilarducci, the labor economist. She's talking about tent cities of women, of older women. This is sort of, can be on the horizon um, when you think of that longevity bonus and then what people have set aside. That is um, frightening and depressing because in my opinion, there is so much wealth in this country. There's no excuse for that. It just, I, I just have trouble dealing with it. So, you uh, work have worked with or heard from both older men and older women. Um, in what ways do you see their problems with underemployment and financial well-being into the future to be similar? And in what ways are they different? What I see with men. So in my book, I profile lots of different people and the women, I would interview them and then I would uh, write up the piece you know, quoting them. In each of the cases where a man told me his story and was willing to tell it, you know, with candor and vulnerability, I said to them, you write it. You write it in your own words. And I would just do like a little bit of editing for length. Because for men who do not have a habit or a history of connecting in a deep way with their friends. Many don't in the way that women may have a circle. It doesn't have to be a big circle, 
but there might be two, three people that you talk to, you know, keep up with them, they keep up with you. They have no place to take the shame or the embarrassment or the culture, the culture or society's expectation that they will be providers, that loser tape runs heavier, I find, in their head. Not that it doesn't run in ours, but we have kind of more uh, scaffolding with our friends. We have, you know, we might be more willing to see a coach or a therapist. We might be more willing to at least have somebody that we're telling the truth to. Um, the other sort of difference I noticed was class. I was in um, Tennessee, in a small town in Tennessee. And there was some, I think it was a chicken factory or something that had closed. And when I was going there, I was wondering how would they, with my background, receive me, very well received, they wanted to hear my story and share their own. And two weeks later, I went to an event that was hosted at MIT for high income earners who had lost their jobs. Because the, the two were so close together, what I saw was it was the same trauma. Wow. Whatever, whatever um, in the scenario in Tennessee, whatever you grew up uh, feeling like it was expected that you would do these things, you know, your parents did them, you're doing them, same at MIT with this the other group. The loss of a job, it had devastating impacts on marriages. Uh, the language of shame was the same. It didn't matter whether you were eating catfish or salmon, beer or Chardonnay. The uh, hurt, the embarrassment, the how did this happen to me was the same with either population. And I was struck by that because to hear, you know, see both backgrounds, you might not think, oh, it's going to be the same but it was very much the same chicken factory or, you know, some big corporate job. That's fascinating. Um, and I also am really interested in the fact that as a huge generalization, women have, as you say, the word you use more scaffolding than, than men do. I think that is really sad for men um, because I know for myself when there's a rough spot in my life. Um, one of the most helpful things I do is talk to my friends. I, mean, I don't know what I would do without being able to do that. Um, and not to have that really is sobering. So that's that's interesting. Yeah. So to switch gears just a little bit, Elizabeth, and looking to the future, I know that you have recently joined a, a, an organization or a group called Ideas 42 Venture Studio. I'd never heard of that before. Can you tell us about it? 
So one of the things that I have found is how important it is to have friends of every age. My father used to say to me, wisdom can come from anybody. And so I have friends who are in their 30s and 40s, friends who are in their 80s, just the range. What I find with my younger friends is that they're more plugged in to kind of where the money is, who the rising stars are, what the new programs are than my cohort, because a lot of us are um, not retired, but somewhat what I would call unscheduled, <laughs> you know, more unscheduled. And so my younger friends tell me about things. A lot of my assignments and speeches come from them. So dear friend of mine told me about, there's this program that they support entrepreneurs and that I should apply. I'm thinking, hmm, entrepreneur. At that time I was 67. She said, no, 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 apply. They'll really help you. So what I was excited about, Sarah, is that I talked about the challenge of the economics of aging. And here was an opportunity to talk about the solution. What is it? What are, what's something I can do given what I know that focuses on the part of this that is the silver lining? Because here's what I believe that yes, there is a grim part to it, but there's also an incredible opportunity with where we are. It is this. When you think about the sustainability movement, what is it about? It's about we're going to all need to be more intentional about our consumption. Our focus on consumerism, on buying, you know, all kind of junk and stuff that we don't need. It's not good for us. It's not good for the planet. Many of the people that I hear from are going to have to downsize. Right now, when people think of downsizing, it's all about loss and deprivation. There are very few models that show how on a smaller footprint you can thrive and flourish. Uh, you can support the earth. You can support uh, your own well-being. It can be affordable. That's the space that I want to be in. So what I said to the venture studio, and I have to tell you, I think I told you, I feel a little bit like Grandma Moses in there. As I said, I'm 68. I think the oldest person in my cohort might be 43. The other ones are in their 30s. And then there's me. I'm the oldest person in the entire company, not just my cohort. I'm having a blast. I had, to be honest, I'm not where they are with the technology. They're really good on the technology. They told me, you know, you have a budget, hire somebody. I have a fantastic young woman who um, helps me learn what I need to learn. And then the what I, 
you know, don't know that she can do better and faster. I just let her do it. But what my idea is, is affordable co-living models for older adults aging alone on a moderate income. So if we have to downsize, can the space be beautiful, small, but support our well-being, support uh, a way that we want to live in the world? And so I'm working with a, an architectural firm, Cooper Carey. I have somebody, an architect there, and I'm talking to developers and I'm talking to people in the co-living space because there's a lot of co-living for millennials so that they can save money. There's nothing for older adults. Mm -hmm. What I know about us is we need more than a bedroom. Yes. What I know about us is that we need privacy. We're going to want in our space a sitting area so that if a friend wants to come over, there is an opportunity and a place to speak privately. And so I've been doing surveys of people, women and men, older adults, saying, if I design this, what would you need it to be? And does it need a kitchenette or a kitchen? What should be in the shared space? Does it need windows? People were coming at me with all these things. So I have sort of, what I think essentially it needs to be. And one of the most important things is it has to be affordable. So I'm looking for, um, you know, because I'm seeing this as in a multifamily building that might have one bedrooms, two bedrooms, but there would be a co-living option. So I'm saying if you've got two friends or you've got a sister and a friend that you think we could all have our own pod, some shared space, and we could live together, we can share uh, the cost, start thinking about who that might be for you. And I am working uh, with a young woman now. I'm totally redoing my website where I want to invite you to come to that website. Don't have it yet, uh, but I'll give you um, my email address and you can be in touch with me. And I want us to co-create this together. I am very excited to not just have to talk about what happened and the grimness of what happened and what many people are experiencing. I want to talk about what's possible. I want to talk about how do we support ourselves, you know, for these next decades? How do we delay going into assisted living? How do we avoid nursing care? We've all seen the data on isolation and loneliness. How do we build community in a way that stays off that isolation and loneliness? And women will lead the way here because of our circles, of our friends. And when you think about it, there may be someone even, because I have good friends I couldn't live with. 
you may have good friends too. You can't live with them. You love them. You can't live with them. But then there are people who may be a little bit outside the inner circle that you could actually live with. Or maybe it's your, you want to have your older mother and your sister in here together. Or maybe you've got an adult child and it's you and your sister who are in there. I want to build something that is for the configurations of family, even chosen family, no blood, but chosen family that we can begin to uh, join and live with. Because here's the thing. We have a model now where everybody needs their own car, their own snowblower, their own vacuum cleaner. Everybody needs. It's not going to, it's not sustainable. It's not going to work. So what are some new models? And we are going to lead, you know, with these new models. We're, we are the first up this hill. Boomers, but the Gen Xers are right behind us. They don't have pensions either. So we are, when I say making our path by walking, and women are going to play a real role in that. And this venture studio, who would think at my age that I'm now, I was an entrepreneur before I used to have a chain of stores, that I get to circle back now with all the kind of technology and all the ways that we can engage and run up this hill again. With all with all of your wisdom and skills from before. And the support. This is yes. what the Venture Studio does is provide resources, network, uh, expertise that they wrap around you over the next 18 months to help me launch this thing that I've said I want to build. That is so exciting, Elizabeth. I just, I, I love it. Um, we we are running out of time, but I just, I just want to mention one thing to you, if I may. I um, wrote a book called "The Upside of Downsizing: Getting to Enough." Because Ooh, I, I, I have a personal project and have had since the mid nineties that the major question is, how will I know when I have enough? And so when I went, I went through a major downsizing and, and it was hard. And I realized that I was having the opportunity to find out for me what is enough. And so the book for me, the upside of downsizing is getting to enough. And so um, I really applaud uh, your work. I think it is uh, magnificent in all sorts of ways for, for people, for the planet, and um, good for you. No, I will absolutely get your book. Uh, it is speaking to what I'm talking about. Yes, I, I, I know. It was just as you were talking, I thought, oh, that's just exactly what I've been thinking about. So, Elizabeth, I could imagine people are going to want to get in touch with you. How would they do that if they want to? So right now, I'm going to give you my email address. I do want to hear from you. So it's ebeth, that's E-B-E-T-H, at 55 and 
fakingnormal.com. So that's 55, the number, and A-N-D, and faking normal, that's F as in Frank, fakingnormal.com. And especially if you're interested in knowing more about co-living and what I'm designing and want to be on a mailing list, want to... you know, I have some opportunities to co-create where I'm getting people's opinions. Say that in the subject, say co-living. And then I'll, when I um, have my website up later this month, I will, you know, let you all know. All right. So that's our time today. Please join us again. You can find out more about our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. You can find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Elizabeth White. I have enjoyed this immensely. And don't forget, you can find her at ebeth at 55. And A N D faking F A K I N G normal N O R M A L all run together dot com. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Sarah. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. Take care, spread tolerance and love. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us on Prime Spark. With each episode, Sarah Hart brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate, and empower women over 55. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes about remarkable, experienced women, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available at Spotify, Apple Podcast, and most other major podcast sites. The second women's revolution is here, and we hope that you use the insights you've gained here to fuel the spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path, and reflect your gifts in the world. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. 
Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.